Support for the game podcast is brought to you by StarCityGames.com, the world's largest independent retailer for Magic the Gathering singles and supplies and home for the best strategy content on the web. If you would like to support the game podcast, feel free to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash the G-A-M podcast. Welcome to episode 85 of the Game Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Thompson. Here with me is Brian, the voice of truth, Gottlieb. Hello, sir. Welcome Hi. to the podcast this week. Do you, do you know what voice of truth is? Do you know this magic card? Uh, it's three dub, two, two flying protection from red. You were so close. It's protection from white. <sighs> but it is part of a cycle, I think. And I think there is a one of these that has protection from red. But I'm referencing Voice of Truth this week because I'm going to have some truth to spit on this episode, and it might be truth that people don't want to hear because we're about to do a style of episode that we've done before, but we've never done it in this context. We're about to do deck dive, going through the Moto Daily results deck by deck in modern. And uh, I feel like I'm going to have some choice words to say about some of these decks, and people always get upset when their babies get attacked, but... I'm just here to spit truth, man. That's it. I'm the voice of truth this week, and I'm going to tell you how I see it, how I think it is. No personal disrespect if I'm hating on your deck that you love. It's just, it's just what we got to do. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. Is like we we did kind of a similar thing with episode 82, where it's like the ten cards to stay away from in modern, and people really did not like that. I I think that instead of just being like your deck is bad. There's there's like some you know personal attachment and investment there, especially in modern where a lot of people only do have one deck. That's that's true, and I think that there's probably a a more productive way of analyzing decks that we don't like. But there's still going to be some decks that I don't like here. I mean, I, I can't I can't get over that, but I can be more productive, more insightful as to why I think that deck may not be a good choice for this moment because everything we do is in the moment in the meta that we're we're facing. So, you know, maybe in the future this deck that I hate currently will be the the deck du jour and the correct choice for an upcoming big tournament. You never know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel the same way like things that we say now where it's like you know, storm is poorly positioned, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, that could always change, right? Like at some point storm was probably the deck to be playing and yeah. it will likely, it will likely circle around and be that case again. I agree. Anyway, we got a uh, little over 40 decks to get to because modern is just absolutely crazy. I don't know how this happens just every week. There's like two, at least two brand new decks that I have not seen before. Yeah, there's some crazy ones in this deck dump. I'm excited to to get to a few particular members of, of this list. Word. Okay, so the first one is Goblins. And we saw this deck win a Magic Online PTQ not that long ago in the hands of Riser. Big fan of Riser, by the way. Not a whole lot has changed here. I think Ramadap Ruins is a new inclusion. Is that correct? I don't recall seeing that in Riser's list. I, I do think this is a new ad. This deck has picked up the nickname eight whack for the eight goblin bushwhacker effects that it has but this version only has seven wax <laughs> this yeah. is a four goblin bushwhacker three reckless bushwhacker not a huge point of difference still the same basic strategy uh still the the same very exploitative deck if people are trying to do a little bit slower combo uh sorcery speed control type things this deck can still exploit those approaches to the game 
Yeah, so I remember Riser's deck having main deck Lava Mancers, and he had a bunch of fetch lands to go with those. And this one has right, right. Goblin Chieftain, and I think Pile Driver, which was absent from Riser's deck. So this one is basically like all in on the Goblin theme, not straying from that too much. And I think that's a fine place to be. I mean, Lava Mancer was super, super good for a little bit there, and I think it's kind of dropped off as Modern has become kind of just like more absent of creatures, I suppose. Mm, a, a similar change is a decreased number in the devastating summons. Uh, if you're playing Ramanap Ruins, obviously you're less inclined to spew off your mana into devastating summons. Also, I think there is an uptick of counter magic in the format generally right now. So that could also be playing into the decision to back off a little bit from the devastating summons package. Although that was something I really liked about Riser's deck. I think this is a very powerful card in the right context. Yeah, Absolutely. I think goblins, the closest comparison that you could draw to is burn, where for the most part, like they're they're both just trying to win on an axis that your opponent can't interact with you. So this one is like, well, you don't have enough blockers, you don't have enough sweepers, and I'm I'm just gonna kill you eventually, right? And burn is just like you you can't stop my burn spells, you can't gain life, you can't counter them. And right now I think the metagame is a little bit more set up better to deal with burn than to deal with a super go wide strategy like this. So if you're thinking about playing burn, maybe stop, consider goblins as an alternative. I think that's good advice. Second deck is pretty normal looking storm. Yeah, not a lot of points of interest here. Main deck empty the Warrens, which I think is mostly pretty standard now. Six of the mana reduction creatures, again, mostly pretty standard as far as how I see this deck. I'm not sure what it's exploiting. I think it's fine. I think like if you're a practice storm player and this is this is what you've chosen to cast your lot in with, I don't think you're making a strict mistake by playing this deck right now. I do think there are better combo options currently. You're kind of like a half a turn too slow in some of the matchups. I just don't know where your really positive matchups lie. That's my problem with this deck right now. Yeah, the storm deck is... Uh, the way it's been built recently is just slightly better at playing a longer game with Gifts Ungiven and whatnot. And how much of a boon that is is kind of questionable, at least right now. That's my take as well. I I think the format's a little bit faster. Four mana spells are a little risky. They have to be absolutely game-breaking, which Gifts Ungiven often is. But I I just think there's better avenues. If if you want to play non-interactive combo, there's better ways to do so. And this deck kind of like, people don't expect this, but I always liked Storm into Jund. And I know we fought about this before on, on the podcast, but especially once you have Gifts Ungiven and Pieces of the Puzzle, this is a deck that can very much play through a certain set of disruption, which may be targeting the other combo decks in the format. So if you want to look at a point to say, okay, this is why we play Storm, a lot of the combo hate that's seen play right now is meant to target a different style of combo. Under that basis, you can make an argument for looking into this deck. I'm not going to be, though. <laughs> we'll continue to pass on Storm for the time being. So Storm is kind of like this resource-driven combo where it doesn't really matter what cards it has. It just wants a, a lot of them or like X amount of them. Right, very redundant cards. Yes. So you could look at this like four mana. At four mana, Gives Given is basically setting you up a game win, right? But compare that to like the Through the Breach Emrakul, Blue Red Decks, or Madcap Experiment, or whatever. I think whatever deck like that you play, you need to look at like which big sorcery or instant is actually better positioned to actually win you the game. 
in the sense that like Storm is very redundant, doesn't very much care about like one thoughtsies, right? Because like all of your cards basically do the same thing. But mm. through the breach decks, like the, the cards that are trying to set up like two card combos, like they very much care about thoughtsies, right? So if if thoughtsies is the thing that you care about, or maybe counter spells, although I would I would expect like at least the through the breach decks to be tailoring their deck to be blue mirrors. You know, it, it seems like they have a pretty easy avenue towards that with like dispels and whatnot. Right. Uh, and, and a lot of maybe, instant speed play. Yeah. And whereas, you know, maybe Storm is also okay at doing that, uh, at least against like the decks that are like trying to cryptic command you, you know, it's just like, that's just kind of a joke, but yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like gifts through the breach madcap experiment. They all kind of like wax and wane with how good they are in the format with each other. Right. And, and one more point, if I'm looking for like a redundant combo deck with a lot of pieces where you don't really care too much about uh, losing any one particular piece and a lot of ways to get back pieces and ways to search pieces. I can't not mention KCI, which again, if there's targeted hate towards KCI, you could make a case for Storm. But I think if just in a vacuum, those two decks, if you're comparing them to each other, I think KCI does a lot of what Storm does, but better. Yeah, KCI seems much stronger in that regard. Uh, I will note that like some of the hate, like Leyline of the Void, is actually targeted at both or like Damping Sphere. You true, know, it's just, like true, mostly yeah. mostly the Stony Silence type stuff. Like in theory, KCI is like more vulnerable to those things. But as we've seen, like time and time again, like KCI is much better at playing through those cards. And instead of playing like Sleight of Hand, you have Ancient Stirrings and right. Mox Opal and like all of these other like potentially ban worthy cards, right? Like. KCI, I think, is just like a much stronger deck on a lot of different axes. That's what's that's a, a thing that comes up in modern a lot is where decks are kind of functionally similar, but they're just outmoded by another version of of the same type of effects. And that's how I would classify Storm currently. Even though the two decks look very different, uh, I think they're kind of accomplishing the same things in the same manner. Storm's a little bit outmoded right now. Right. Yeah. Don't don't play a strictly worse something else. Mm-hmm. The next deck is uh, one of those new decks that we talked about. And it's just like, what the hell is this? This is some like green red thing with Fauna Shaman, Strangler Geist, Steel Leaf Champion, Tireless Tracker. It has Eldritch Evolution and Lightning Bolt and four copies of Kragenwick Cremator. Yeah. So this is <laughs> this is 2RR54. When this enters the battlefield, discard a card at random. If you do... If you do discard a creature card this way, this deals damage equal to that card's power to target player. And this deck also has like World Spine Worms and Emrakul. Uh, and Galta as well. Oh, yes, Galta. Galta. So let me say something nice about this deck to begin with. I think it's good that the creator of this deck recognizes that just playing some dumb creatures is not a successful strategy in modern. There needs to be a wrinkle to it. There needs to be something more. Your, you know, crappy noble hierarch, steel leaf champion, strangle strangle root geist beatdown deck in and of itself is not going to be sufficient to compete in modern. So the deck builder here found a wrinkle, and that wrinkle is a Kragenwick cremator doing a tremendous amount of damage potentially, given the right setup, given kind of a lot of things going right. Cremator can certainly do a ton of damage. That being said, I I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know why I would want to play this deck. I guess if there's a lot of like damage-based removal, your bodies are very large. There is a clock here. There's there's certainly a significant clock that can be presented even outside of the Kragenwick Cremator stuff. But on the whole, 
I don't see the appeal of trying a strategy like this in modern. It seems fun. I think it would be fun to play this deck, but that's not what we do here on the game podcast. We look for the best deck. And I have a hard time believing this can be the best deck ever. So the cremator discards a card at random. Correct. And this deck is 30 creatures. How do you set it up so that the last card in your hand is just a giant creature? Like you, you play all to- your other creatures. I, I mean, that's the only sure. thing I can come to. That's that's it. That's it. That's the only way to set this up. But you have to get rid of like all 30 creatures. And there's just like four drop things like... You're definitely going to have hand. I mean, maybe it's fine just like dealing them five, like discarding a Steel Leaf Champion or whatever, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, there, there's a lot I don't know about this deck. I think it's I think it's fascinating. I think it's cool that the builder recognized that you you do need a wrinkle like this. There has to be more yes. than just the generic beatdown plan. And that's what I really like about the deck building process here. It, it's cognizant of what modern is actually about. But again, I... I'm not sold on this particular configuration as something I want to be doing going forward. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely agree with you. I, I do like the fact that they're like, well, I need a combo kill. And is this the best combo kill? I, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, are there supposed to be like lootings in here to like discard either big creatures or get yourself to only a big creature? I have no idea. Like, there's there's definitely some more iteration to be done here. Is there? Is yes. There like, yes, there is. There, I mean, there, there's probably always... a better version of this. I, I agree with that. But I, you're kind of, I feel like you're reaching a ceiling. And once I'm doing Eldritch Evolution stuff, I really just want to win the game. Like, I feel like Eldritch Evolution can do so much more for you if the deck is built around it in more of a combo sense. You know, the way we've seen uh, Devoted Druid combo use Eldritch Evolution, or the way we've seen even uh, Malira combo, or I guess it's now, you know, outmoded by Vizier combo using Eldritch Evolution to set things up. It, it just seems like a better way to go to me. 15 to you. I think that's a pretty good combo. I don't know. I'm just, just going to say that. I guess. I, I don't... I, I, I obviously have no games with this deck ever, So and I've never played against it. So I'm just reading the cards and giving my impressions on its face. It's a hard sell. But like I said, even, even if I find it a hard sell, I do respect the process in the deck building here. Like, what if you got to kind of marry the two and play like through the breach with your your big things or like maybe not four or whatever but some copies or uh the other half of your deck was like value stuff so you play like the four color Sahili game where instead of trying to set up like one four blink my planeswalker which is super vulnerable to like everything yeah as, as an end game thing you, you just have some value creatures and you nickel and dime them with like voice of resurgence and renegade rallyer and like 15 of them i don't know like that that could actually work to me yeah, I, I like, uh, again, a multifaceted plan, uh, multiple angles of attack. That's cool. That's, that's what creature decks have to do in modern. So I, I like the more diversity you add, the, the more appealing it gets to me. But it, it seems like sometimes simplicity is, is, is king and just doing like the devoted druid stuff is going to be better in a lot of spots. Maybe, but you don't have as good of a plan, eh? It's like so hard to kill someone without your combo. Yeah, your beatdown plan is pretty anemic. That's true. And I mean, when Birthing Pod was at, was at its apex, that's what was great about Birthing Pod is that its beatdown plan was like decent. It happened. It, it wasn't yeah. completely unheard of. Uh, and really nothing has taken up that mantle since Birthing Pod Malera combo has gone away. Yep. Next deck, Infect. This is one uh, that has beatdown as the backup plan, like the old Dryad Arbor become immense backup plan. Yeah. But yeah, Green Blue Infect has been doing pretty well recently. A lot of the good pilots, the better pilots with this deck, have claimed humans as a good matchup, which I find not, like, 
very hard to believe, but it's still just like, oh, like you know, claiming that is like your buy or whatever. I'm I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, I'm not I'm not buying buy. I'll buy favorable matchup for sure. Uh, that makes a lot of sense to me, but I, I think humans just has a lot of game versus the entire field and, you know, can generally do some tricky stuff and interact with everyone if they want to. But, you know, this is a deck you and I were very high on. I actually think I expected this deck to do more. I kind of thought we were on the verge of Infect just being absolutely everywhere, really having a, a good run in the format, getting a lot of work done um, that hasn't quite played out the way I thought it would. But definitely more in fact now than there was a month ago, two months ago. And I, I still think a defensible choice to be sure. Yeah, one of the things I think that is a weakness of Infect is just the sideboard in general. Like I think a lot of people are just better off not sideboarding as much as they do. Just things like Invisible Stalker, Tarmogoyf, Kitchen Finks, Geist of St. Traft. Are those cards actually helping? Like people need to figure out what the actual best plan is against Burn and Jeskai and decks like that and then roll with it but right now we see like so much divide so much split between who thinks what is correct that i think no one has really figured it out yet yeah could be some definite uh strides to be made in that portion of of this deck building next deck is kci we kind of talked about this one a little bit uh deck is still good we see the one copy of Aetherflux reservoir in the main deck as a, a moto concession basically yeah, I guess that's what's going on here. It definitely caught my eye and not a card I'm used to seeing, but a moto concession would make a lot of sense to me for sure. Deck is still good. Are 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 people reacting strongly enough to this or are we just not seeing enough of that reaction on Magic Online because the deck is difficult to play on Magic Online? Uh, I think the Magic Online reaction is tempered by exactly what you're saying. I think in person... There's been some adaptation to this being the default best combo deck. Probably not enough because this deck still doesn't have the number of pilots it deserves for being very difficult. And, you know, we talked about this at length in one of our previous modern episodes, how we weren't sure if you or I were ever going to pick up this deck, despite constantly saying this deck is awesome. This deck is great. I still haven't played any KCI. I don't know if you've gotten your KCI games in yet, but it's one of those things where it feels like it has so much inertia now that you don't want to be a late adopter, but it also feels very, very good. I could see a KCI ban eventually happening again, because more because of timing reasons than anything else. I I think it's problematic for coverage. I think it's problematic for round length. If eggs was worthy of a ban, this isn't quite as bad, but it's got a lot of the same type of feel to it. It wouldn't surprise me if there's just, I mean, eventually maybe an Ancient Stirrings, Mox Opal type ban is is certainly always on the table, but I'm more inclined to believe we might just see a KCI ban and just nip this deck in the bud and this isn't the type of thing they want floating around in modern. Or at least just give them like an actual clean kill. <laughs> just Just let them speed it up a little bit? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's one approach as well. Uh, maybe a dangerous one, as we're already talking about this deck being very, very good. And actually, this is a great time to call back to something that if you haven't seen it, and I, I don't remember who posted it, on the Reddit forum, R Spikes, someone, he's he's a Patreon of the game podcast because he also posted this researched list in our Discord. It was a match win percentage from the last three GPs, I think. They collected the deck data from everyone participating in the GPs, uh, used it to play the matchups against each other and get percentages for every single matchup in the format for like the 
15 or 20 most played decks. It's really fascinating data. If you haven't seen it and you care about modern, you owe it to yourself to track down this document. And maybe we can link to it in our, our show notes this week. That would be a really good thing. Ooh, to. That's, that's a big ask. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we can handle it. It's not that hard. We'll, we'll get it up there for people to check it out, or at least our Twitter. Or you can follow me on Twitter. If Jerry's not going to take responsibility, I will tweet this out, make sure everyone has access, because this is fascinating matchup data. And what it showed was KCI is the best deck, by the way. That was the end conclusion. Yeah, yeah. And what it showed was KCI was the twentieth best deck in the format. Like, I don't, I don't think that that was where you were going with it. You know? No, 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 no. This they were a clear winner with a, a very high match win percentage. Uh, what happens when you remove Matt Nass from that sample size? It gets worse for sure. We know that, but there was a lot of matchups. It, it was a big sample size, so I'm more inclined to put some stock in this data than I am, uh, you know, the usual type of stuff that floats around. Word. Next deck, Affinity. We see one Steel Shaper's Gift, one Glintness Crane, one Karn. A lot of just nonsense, basically. But that's kind of what Affinity is at these at these times. Like people are mostly playing Galvanic Blast. They're not really playing Thoughtcast. Whether you play Master of Ethereum or Edge Champion, kind of switches. And then the sideboard is like all one and two of anti hate or anti combo cards. And then yeah, you just fill your deck out with nonsense. Yeah. So I'm super low on Affinity right now. Again, referring to that matchup that I was talking about, Affinity looked really poor on paper. If I was interested in Affinity, it would probably be the Hardened Scales version, which I do think we get to later on in this decklist dump. So maybe I'll save my rant for, for that point. Yep. Next deck is Mono Blue Tron. This is Shock Troopa. This is a person who I forget his real name. I played him once in real life at a Kentucky Open back in 2009. And he has been rocking Mono Blue Tron basically since then, like for as long as I can remember. And his lists are always super weird. He always wins with them. And people, for whatever reason, copy his deck lists and also play them. I don't know why. Uh, Shock Troopa has been putting up great performances with this deck forever. Like you said, it, anytime you see Mono Blue in the deck dump, Mono Blue Tron in the deck dump, it's almost certainly going to be Shock Troopa. I think they should continue playing this list until the end of time. They obviously know what they're doing. They've found success. I think nobody else on the planet should pick it up. This requires the soul of a madman and a deep connection to your deck. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I've certainly like, there was a point where I was like, Ooh, obviously I try every flavor of Tron. Cause I get excited about casting Tron and, and doing Tron type stuff, but I have no clue what we're supposed to do here with this version. I'll leave it to shock trooper. Let them continue to rack up the five O's. One Solemn Simulacrum, one Gemstone Caverns. I'm just off it. Yeah, me as well. Oh, this is the good one. This is Two Corpse Churn Dredgevine by Char Azenable. Asianable? I don't know. Uh, this, is, this is David. I, I met him in Shiba. He is rad, and he has been crushing it with this deck, and so have many other people. Yeah, uh, David is now over in our game podcast discord giving out the hot tech for this deck this deck is the truth you're looking at the future of modern right here at least for a moment in time this will be the future of modern uh as we predicted when we saw stitcher supplier vengevine was going to get some uh some time in the sun and this is probably where it's going to happen uh this deck is ruthlessly fast surprisingly resilient and very very good i i have a lot of questions about this deck and this archetype in general. And I, I look forward to tinkering with this because this is, you know, this is Gravecrawler, Citrus Supplier, Vengevine. This is exactly what I want to be doing with my life. Mm -hmm. 
Goblin Bushwhacker instead of Reckless Bushwhacker. Corpse Churn, Cathartic Reunion, No Splash, Driven to Despair. That is only despair, really. Just despair. If there's room for Stark improvement, I would say it probably lies in the sideboard. But honestly, David has impressed me. He's He's been fielding questions all week over in the Discord. He's got reasons for everything he's doing. I, I don't know offhand the answers to your questions, but uh, in general, he's been able to provide very cogent answers to all these. Well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And he's pretty set on a large number of the pieces uh, being at these numbers in this deck. Oh, yeah. And I think there's something here. This is this is a very real deck, maybe on its way to tier one status as time goes on. Uh, I wouldn't surprise me. It seems like this is hollow one-ish, but faster and slightly better backup plan with fail rate. Where like, if you can't get a bunch of Venge Vines in play, your backup plan is just bridge from below and hanger back walker walking ballista, which just makes an army. Right. People cannot deal with like, you know, six two twos right now. They just can't. Yep, you're exactly right. It'll be interesting to see what this deck does if true, pure graveyard hate, like if Rest in Peace becomes a de facto player and there's Rest in Peace everywhere, it's interesting to see what the response is then. But like there's still an anemic beatdown plan present here. It's not the greatest, but I, I this deck can win games under Rest in Peace. It's it's not like, you know, Legacy Dredge where you're just like, oh, I'll sit here and play one ones for the rest of the game and never do anything. There will be a surprising number of games lost while Rest in Peace is in play on the other side of the table. Yeah. Next deck, Grixis Death Shadow, uh Ben Friedman style, four bobble, two looting, seventeen land, two snapcaster. Nothing too crazy. Yeah, we talked about this deck maybe having a resurgence. Are, are you still on that train? Do you believe it could be time for Grixis Death Shadow to get some more some more run in the sun? I love this deck until Humans was huge. Mm-hmm. And Humans is kind of getting beat up lately. And now it has Militia Bugler. And I think that card just changes everything. I think like Bugler probably makes it so that Humans should come back. And then again, it makes it so Death Shadow just kind of has to chill out for a little bit. Okay, that's a but- fair take. Grixis Death Shadow was notoriously awful against Dredge. You just like all none of your cards did anything against them. And I would imagine that things are very similar against the Vengevine decks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That looks like a miserable matchup for sure. So you have a couple reasons off the bat to just be like, eh, maybe I should not be playing this deck. But, you know, Freeman talked about in his article about how he made it so the deck despite having a bunch of like on paper bad matchups was just as broken as possible and felt as much as like a legacy deck as possible. So he's like, yep, that was a bad matchup. Still beat it. Mm-hmm. Cause he, he would just like play a thing, counter their thing for one mana and then like attack and team or battle rage. And it was game over. Right. Yeah. I, I get that approach. Um, pushing towards a high power version of the deck makes a lot of sense. And obviously the converted mana cost of the deck keeps coming down. You're able to do things more quickly, uh, more consistently. But we've kind of talked in the past about how once this deck needed to pick up Teamer Battle Rage, that was the breaking point. Like that's when the deck was not tier one any longer because that meant it was being targeted by enough of the metagame or just not even targeted, just what it was doing didn't line up against what everyone else was doing. That seems to be the case again as we talk about all these go wide decks and humans having a resurgence. So could be we have to wait a little bit longer for Death Shadow to come back. I basically just don't understand why if this deck is like, oh, I want to be a broken legacy deck. Why aren't you just playing the Kiln Fiend version? Like, do you actually have enough of an ability to play a longer game than the Kiln Fiend one? And I don't think so. Hmm. 
Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, as the, you know, we've reduced the number of Colligan's commands and you're not really doing that long, grindy game that Grixis Death Shadow very comfortably played before. You're just kind of looking to get on board and be quick. And if that's the case, Kiln Fiend does it harder, does it faster. Yeah, and it, it allows you to play Team or Battle Rage and not feel bad. You can facilitate a lot of turn three kills. So I'm, I'm down with Kiln Fiend. You've always been down with Kiln Fiend. We know that. That's That's partly your fault. Well... Guilty as charged. Now, next deck is Blue-White Spirit Splashing Collected Company. And uh, we've seen this version with, you know, Noble Hire Collected Company. And then there's the straight blue-white ones with Aether Vial. I think I like the Aether Vial ones a little bit better, but I'm interested to hear your take on that and this deck in general. So someone asked me what I thought about this deck earlier this week. It's not that I hate this deck. It's it's not that I think there's anything inherently wrong with the strategy. I think it's powerful. I think it's, you know, slightly disruptive. It's got a lot of cool things going on. No one has really made a compelling argument to me why I would rather play this deck than say humans. And the only thing I've heard positive is like you're better against sweepers, but as the default sweeper becomes terminus, that becomes less and less true. I don't even know that you have that advantage against sweepers anymore. Obviously there's still like mausoleum wanderer in the right circumstance but you really need so many things to go right for that to be the case and you're just asking for all of your spells to line up really well so my take on both of these decks is that i'll just humans and i i don't really know why this deck exists short of people really like spirits i mean that's all i've got for you i don't know where the better matchups lie I think they say that it's better against sweepers because like not only just because of selfless spirit but because you have more flash elements too I mean that's not wrong, but I don't fl- I don't think it's a good argument. Yeah, the flash elements are mild in most cases, and when humans has vials going, I mean they get some of that as well. I know we're saying uh, you know a, a best case scenario where they have access to that type of game plan, but still they are capable of playing the instant speed game plan via vial. So I, I guess on that basis, if that's if that's how you feel, then I would prefer the blue white version with vials if you're going to go all in on taking advantage of flash but on on the whole i just think this is the worst humans deck right now uh, so i agree i think that humans might actually be better against sweepers because each individual threat is much more powerful mm-hmm. and like bugler spirits- getting into the mix as well also changes the sweeper matchup yes yeah absolutely but flying is a thing if flying is relevant cool uh we're not seeing a ton of creature combat and even like humans tends to dominate creature combat anyway so then you're left with Spell Queller. Like, that is a card that makes you slightly better against combo decks in theory, but I'm not even sure that's how it plays out. I'd rather just have a faster clock and some disruption. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Again, I don't think this is a bad deck, but it seems to be a strictly worse version of humans. Yeah, there there are some upsides, but not enough. Right. And I, w- I would prefer the blue-white one, uh, just so that you could actually play Thalia and have just as much, if not more, disruption than humans normally has. Sure. Yeah, Spirits is okay. I mean, Phantom is good. It helps the deck. It is kind of one of the things that the deck needs, but now it needs like an actual clock. Next deck is our favorite deck, the official deck of the game podcast. This is <laughs> Jeskai Control. Is that true? I don't, I don't think I signed up on that. Where I was willing to declare this the official deck. Hey, hey man, you signed it. You might not have read the fine print. <sighs> you think as a lawyer, I would know better, but uh, yeah, okay. I guess this is our deck now. Uh, so yeah, this deck's great. I can't wait to play my next tournament with Just Guy Control. It is well positioned and fantastic. Rossum got third place with it in the classic, and Tron was number one, number two. So 
Yeah. Tron's awesome. Tron will continue to smush these decks. I, I get wanting to play this deck because obviously I, I like the style of play. You know, people love control. I, I still don't think modern is the right format for it. And while I was high on this deck recently, it doesn't seem like it's doing the things I would want this deck to do to be favored in this kind of new world. I if I'm playing this type of deck, I want to play blue-white because I don't want to scoop to Tron. I do think white sideboard cards are very good right now, uh, so I'm kind of into that aspect of things. But even here, if, if you look at this deck list, one Stony Silence. Yeah. I, I mean, that's why, I, that's why I'm here. I'm here for the Stony Silence, and you're not even giving it to me. So pass on this list in particular. But if you want to find a selling point of this style of control, I do like white sideboard cards right now. Word. Next deck is fairly normal Hollow One. I feel like these decks have been sort of like tuned into oblivion, if that makes any sense. It's like the deck is so streamlined and so straightforward. No one wants to cut a card. No one wants to change things. Then you see people on the other end of the spectrum with Venge Vines. And it's like, look at us. We're doing this super different rad stuff. And the Hollow One people are just like, yeah, I'm I'm just going to stay over here with the deck that I've been playing for the last two months. I wonder how these compare heads up. I wonder how the general matchup percentages compare because there are some similarities to approach for sure. If I had to guess, I, I think the Vengevine deck is probably more explosive in the average, uh, if that makes any sense, where like this deck can have the better nut draw, but like the average turn three for Vengevine looks better than the average turn three for yeah. Hollow One is my guess. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I don't know. I, I feel like, especially with uh, KCI and to some degree Storm, but also this Vengevine deck, it's like there should be more rest in pieces in ley lines, you would think, right? It seems like it, but the format remains really wide. If you go look at the Goldfish numbers, I mean, like the biggest metagame percentage is if you lump the two Jeskai and Blue White Control together, you can get to almost 10%. Tron is like 5% as the next highest. So the metagame remains incredibly wide. My instinct is that those cards should be more important, but for whatever reason, they don't seem to be. Uh, next deck, Blue Black Mill. What do you have to say about Blue Black Mill? This is this is like a, a burn deck that on turn six you're definitely going to die, right? Like they're not they're not going to run out of steam. Uh, they're not going to lose to life gain or whatever, but they are way slower. Absolutely, manhandles control decks. You, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm looking for good things to say about burn right now. I think you had a good point. Manhandles control decks are good things to say about mill. If you want to kind of compare and contrast mill versus burn a little bit more, the fact that this deck has mill and main deck surgical extraction means that you can steal some games against combo, uh, against the faster combo decks that burn would just sit there and die to. So there's that. If you draw but, an ensnaring bridge, you might beat humans. Okay, there you go. There's another small, small upside of of blue black mill. I don't know. There's been times where like people I I respect have come to me and been like, "This is an awesome call. You should play blue black mill right now," and they've never sold me on it successfully. I, I think the format has to look a very specific way for me to want to play this deck. And as we just discussed. You really can't say anything definitive about the format. It remains too wide. So I'm going to continue to pass on Blue Black Mill. I mean, this is probably one of those decks. You have main deck Field of Ruin. You have a bunch of mill cards. You have Surgical. It's possible that you just beat up on Tron too. Like you don't care about really anything that they're doing. 
So if you have another copy of Ensnaring Bridge and then the top decks are uh, Tron, Control, Humans, and then Hollow One, and then like Mardu Pyromancer, Mardu probably can't ever beat Mill, right? You're good against the top six decks. That's like 30% of the format. But then like, what about the rest? I guess I just, I also don't know how good you actually are. That's the other question. I would think quite good, but. Yeah? You think it goes pretty far? Yeah. Okay. Um, so there you go. Mill players, you got a little feather in your cap. You might have you might have some good matchups out there. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Word. Next deck is green, white, value town, no combo. Uh, pretty normal happenings. Some ghost quarter, field of ruins, Azusa, Ramanep, excavator. Just like this deck is so medium. Do I do I have to say nice things about this deck too? Because this is no. this is my breaking point. This is no. this is where I can't do it anymore. You, you have protection from white man. You can say whatever you want about this green white deck. It's got stony silence in the sideboard, which I really like. Hey, we did it. That's all. That's all I have to say positive about this deck. This is like the slowest clock. Just a bunch of nonsense. Uh, I don't understand. It feels like it's a deck for a different format. Yeah, I mean, this would be a really good standard deck. Sure. Yeah. If it had more five and six drops. Yeah, that's and that's what it looks like to me. I mean, it, it's an inherently fair. A lot of fine cards. A lot of... You see the game plans, right? Like there's game plans there for a bunch of stuff. They're just all medium. They're all yep. super medium game plans against every single deck. And that's not what I'm looking to do in modern. Next deck is Amulet. Uh, this one has Explorer. I've seen some with Hive Minds. Uh, I like the Ballista. That was a pretty good pickup for Teleria West mm-hmm. and uh, main deck Rexage for Blood Moon. Keep saying I'm going to put in the games with the, uh, the Amulet deck and, and finally learn it. I keep not doing it. I, I do still believe this deck is a reasonable choice and viable if you are very good with this archetype. The people who are continue to find success with it. I would like to add myself to those ranks someday. I haven't yet. Someday I, I will put in the time to, to really understand this deck inside and out because I think it really rewards uh, a, lot of, a lot of love and a lot of effort. I got I to gotta redo my bucket list because I was playing this deck in like 2014 and I'm sure my brain has just either compartmentalized all that information or just immediately forgotten it. So Yeah, I played it a little bit too back then and I, I, I can't recall any... I, I mean, I think it was very different at that point, right? You had oh, a lot yeah. more like turn two, turn three combos, whereas you're certainly much slower these days, but still very powerful, very consistent. Anyone who chooses to play this deck, I support your choice. I, I just hope you've put in the time and effort to do so. Yep. Next deck is Burn. Uh, This list specifically is very normal, but it has the second copy of Shard Volley, which you would only see the Shard Volley show up when people were very cognizant of like how fast they had to be. And for the most part, people were like, oh, Shard Volley, that's just a bad card, right? And then there are like the people who don't realize that's a bad card and they're just playing four, Mm -hmm. you know? And those are like the people who would like end of turn Shard Volley you, even though... They could untap and still have the land and the mana. Like they could just shard volley whenever they wanted. There's literally no reason to end of turn it. Right. It's essentially sorcery speed as it plays. Well, I mean, you can do it whenever you want. It's just like end of turn, sack my seal of fire targeting you. It's like, it's still going to be there when you untap. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no reason to just do it now. So anyway, you would see like really heads up people play the one shard volley. Now people are playing two. And I think it is very indicative of like, oh, this deck like needs to be fast. Yeah, the the pace of the metagame in general. Yeah, that is what you need to be doing. And at that point, it's like, well, why are you playing Burn? 
Yeah, there's probably much better options out there if you're just trying to maximize your clock. I want to give credit for adopting Rest in Peace in this deck, but if there's a deck that where you don't want these white sideboard cards, as, I, as much as I talk about loving these white sideboard cards, I don't necessarily want them in my burn deck. I just want more burn spells. Like if I'm playing burn, I have to believe that just throwing burn spells at my opponent's face is the way to go. Yeah, Philosophy of Fire, you need seven, seven burn spells that deal three damage. Right. And anytime you draw a non-burn card, your deck is that much weaker. The cost is tremendous. And, you know, I I can't give credit for the inclusion of the white spells here. As as much as I support these spells in the abstract, this is not the right place for them. I guess the problem is that I have a very hard time ever saying it's the right time for burn, short of in the face of a format absolutely dominated by Jund, it becomes very clear, like, oh yeah, burn is burn is awesome in that spot. But I don't see a lot in this format right now that makes me want to pick up burn. I agree. Next deck, we have Abzan. This one's a little weirder. We have uh, 19 land, four Mistress Bobble, three Traverse, Grim Flayer, Tarmogoyf. Again, this is kind of doing what the burn deck is doing, where it's like, oh, the format's really fast. We need to like thin our deck down and all this stuff. And then it's like, well, then why the hell are you playing Tarmogoyf and Lingering Souls? Yeah, an incredibly fair approach. And it's unfortunate because I, I'm, I keep looking for like the right deck to use these white sideboard cards again this is not it you could certainly play stony silence if you wanted to but you rest in peace is completely off the table you can't play that given that i'm not sure what the draw is to to play in this deck i'm not sure where you're favored uh where you're really picking up points lingering souls doesn't seem super good to me right now there's not a ton of affinity around at least not where i'm willing to stretch into white just for the inclusion of lingering souls which is essentially a lot of what we see here mostly passing on this deck. I do like these type of strategies in the abstract. When this deck is good, I'm happy to play it. Again, I just don't think that's that's the world we're facing right now. Yeah, the, the Bobble Grimflayer Traverse decks are basically slightly bigger uh, Jun Death Shadow decks. Mm-hmm. And that there's a reason that that deck isn't doing well. Yeah, completely off the radar currently. And it's not because like, oh, it needs to go bigger. That's not it. That's that's not how you solve things. Correct. Correct. Next up, we have another Vengevine deck. This one with uh, all the squeeze. We have two Squee Goblin to Bob, two Squee the Immortal, a couple Simeon Spirit Guides, which is another card I want to try in this deck overall. This one also is merging like the Hollow One stuff and has one copy of Hazaret, uh, which I think is probably a fine way to beat up on Sideboard Hate. Yeah, that's a fine approach. As far as why I'm doing this over default hollow one strategies, I'm not entirely sure. This doesn't seem either more explosive or more resilient to me. I don't know. Squee feels like a card from a long time ago. Squee the Immortal is a way to have a functional uh, grave crawler without playing any of the black cards. However, I think the black cards are quite good. And Especially when we have Stitcher Supplier now added to the mix as well. Yeah, I mean, it, I, if you think that Blood Moon is that good and you want to, like, splice that into your Hollow One deck, I mean, I guess. Uh, but for the most part, like, the Squee Goblin the Bob stuff just strikes me as, like, fear, basically. Like, oh, you want to, like, Goblin Lore and then maybe Goblin Lore again or looting again and not have to discard your good cards or whatever. And it's just, like, that's that's not the way to go about it. Yeah, I also don't think Blood Moon is like that strong of a trump in the format right now. It's it's fine. I'm not saying Blood Moon is a bad card or not impactful. I just it's it's not game over for a lot of decks. And 
I'm not willing to make these kind of concessions to get to that point, you know, and, and it doesn't really seem like they're even all in on the blood moon plan. Cause where you see decks really want to emphasize their blood moons, you know, with the exception of something like Mardu Pyromancer, which is just playing a different game. But, but a lot of blood moon decks are all in on Simeon spirit guides. They want four Simeon spirit guides to maximize the turn two blood moons. We're not even going that route here. There's only two Simeon spirit guides. It's, it's just not a big enough payoff at this stage of the format to have access to blood moon in your deck to give up those really, really awesome black cards. Uh, I mostly agree. I don't know. I, I feel like if you're playing like this kind of like suicidally aggressive deck, like also that is not really the place for Blood Moon. True. It kind of, again, philosophy of fire. It's a card that's not doing damage. Yeah. Uh, next deck is Jabberwockies, Faithless Looting, Bedlam Reveler, Jund. And I, man, I cannot hate this deck enough. <laughs> All right. Let's let you have your, your moment of hate right now. Why do you hate this deck so much? If you're like, oh man, I really need looting and reveler, well, you don't want Tarmogoyf. And in your Tarmogoyf deck, you don't really want looting with nothing valuable to discard. Yeah, I mostly agree. I, it seems like we're, we're playing green here for the sake of not playing Mardu Pyromancer. Just to say we're not playing Mardu Pyromancer, we're playing something different. Two Maelstrom Pulse, two Scavenging Ooze, four Tarmogoyf. You really want to splash Scavenging Ooze? You really want to make every land in your deck tap for green? Just to be able to play Scavenging Use? I guess like Raging Ravine is another half green card that you can mention if you're talking about other things you get from going down this road. But That's not even a card I want. On, on the whole, this is not... I, I think this deck exists just to not be Mardu Pyromancer. And I'm always very hesitant to pick up strategies like that. Like This deck doesn't do enough to justify itself in my eyes. If you're at the point where you're like, man... I want to play Mardu, but I could really use some Raging Ravines. I think you're just doing it wrong. Agree. All right. Next deck is Green Red Eldrazi. Where where has this deck been? I don't know. Doing other stuff. Um, I, where has like, all of the Eldrazi been recently? They're, they haven't made it in any real form into the format. It just hasn't been the right time for Eldrazi. Things are a little fast, a little less fair. So that leads me to believe you don't want to be doing Eldrazi type stuff right now. Yeah, I mean, like thoughts, Thought Knots here is almost certainly good no matter what the format is, but it's just a matter of like how good is Reality Smasher or how good is Matter Reshaper. And even like Bloodbraid Elf has been a card that people have just been like, yeah, okay, this like doesn't really help any of my matchups, right? So I kind of get the absence of this deck. Uh, however, I do feel like this deck is slightly disruptive enough and aggressive enough that... Uh, it is, it's still worthy of being there. You know, it should not be completely kicked out of the format or anything. I, I guess I wish these Eldrazi decks were a little bit more disruptive. Like, I wonder why we haven't seen effective black-based Eldrazi decks. Is it just there's not enough black mana in any of these decks to cast Thoughtseize into Thought Not Seer and do that style of disruption? Like, mess with your hand really hard and here's my one sticky threat. Can you deal with it? Something like that is a little bit more appealing to me than, say, Lightning Bolt. If you have played with like Thoughtseize, Thought Not Seer, you you would kind of know. It's just like the early turns are just like so awkward where you're like, I want to play my Eldrazi Temple first, but I kind of have to like Thoughtseize here, you know? And like the green decks get around it by just like, I'm going to play a Mana Dork and it's like, it's like playing an Eldrazi Temple while also accelerating my game plan. Mm -hmm. So I, I agree that these decks want more disruption. I think the disruption they want are like Thalia type things. Like you still want them to be threats, not just like actual discard spells. Okay. I could buy that. And I, I will note that uh red green or green red Eldrazi was notoriously pretty bad against humans. 
Okay, so humans on the uptick, maybe not a good time for the Eldrazi once more. If if they're actually on the uptick, who actually knows? You know, I think they are. I, we'll get there, but I, I think they are. Word. Next deck is Kiki Cord. Hate it. Hate it. Let's just leave it at that. Can we just leave it at that? Skip it. All right. Next okay. deck. Love it. Naya Zoo. <laughs> I want to skip this one too, but let's not skip this one. Let's let's try and get to a theoretical place where this is a deck worth considering. You got anything for me? Any reason I should consider Naya Zoo? Wild Nakadal is severely outclassed by a lot of the things that you can be doing, either by playing Champion of the Parish or playing a Mana Accelerator to facilitate something broken or by playing a Monastery Swift Spear or even to like play a Stitcher Supplier to facilitate something broken, you know? At no point really is 3-3 body actually relevant except that it's a Mopey Clock. Yeah, but what about Arlen Cord? What what about Arlen? <laughs> nothing. There's nothing good about Arlen Cord. This card wasn't even played in standard. I, I don't know what's going on here. This feels like a deck from a long time ago once more. It's like a little sticky, a little bit of a clock. Overall, doesn't do anything all that well. Sideboard, this is like a cube deck. Like the sideboard, <laughs> one, one Thunder Maw, one Shalai, one Chandra Torch, one Dragonlord Dromoko, one Bonfire a Sigarda. Yeah, this deck's crazy. I mean, you know, props, right? Like, you're trying to make it happen with no disruption whatsoever. Like, good job, I guess. Yeah, it was, it was good for the 5-0. I am not inclined to pick this up. Format has to look very different. And honestly, I, I can't even posit exactly what it looks like for me to be interested in this style. Yeah. Next deck is Hardened Scales Affinity. Uh, if y'all have not seen this deck, you should Google it because this this deck is real. Yep, for sure. Uh, the future of Affinity, I think. I think it's presenting the same kind of like scary out of nowhere wins. Uh, it has a lot more consistency. It can do more with less, and it is a little bit better about about playing around disruption. And this does feel like the future of the archetype for me, for sure. Tight. Next deck is uh, Red White Prison, White Red Prison, I guess. And this is just the epitome of a deck where it's like, I really want to lock you out, but I'm so bad against creatures, so I have to play all these bad creature removal cards. So now I have less lock pieces. And then how do I kill them? Uh, I guess Planeswalkers. I don't. I don't know if you remember back when I first started doing the game podcast. I had just had shoulder surgery. And so I was going to play a tournament, but I was looking for a deck that I didn't have to shuffle a lot because I only had one hand yeah, to play with. Yeah. And a lot of people pointed me in the direction of this deck. And I'm like, oh yeah, this seems kind of exactly what I'm looking for. And then I played some games with this deck and I did not register this deck in the tournament. I went through the pain of having to shuffle my deck with a surgically repaired shoulder that was just in agony rather than have to play this deck in the tournament. So that should tell you how I feel about this style of prison. Chalice of the Void is only medium good. We just talked about how Blood Moon also not fantastic right now. That's what this deck is built on. If those two cards are good, this deck can be good. Let's let's lay that out there. There is a spot where this deck can shine. Uh, I don't believe we're looking at it right now. All that story of yours really told me was that you can deal with physical pain much more than psychological pain. <laughs> that's probably true. I think that's a, a, a spot on read to my personality. One thing that I will note is that this sideboard has four stony silence and three rest in peace. That's great. I love that part of it. And they also they also have Simeon Spirit God. It just turned one that stuff. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I 
That's that's another upside of this deck. I still need Blood Moon and Chalice of the Void to be a little bit better before I'm considering it, but that is a very good point. Those are powerful sideboard options right now in the format for sure. Anger of the Gods, kill your Vengevine. All right, I'll move on. Next deck is Eldrazi Tron. Same old, same old. Yeah, nothing really new here. Um, I don't think this is a great choice right now either, kind of for all the reasons we talked about with Red Green Tron. Uh, Red Green Eldrazi, because I, I would... I would sorry, Red Green Eldrazi. You're kind of insinuating that Red Green Tron is bad. And I would I would never do that. That's, that's I know, crazy. I know. Eldrazi Tron strikes me as the type of deck where you want to play Tron, you want to do big stuff, but you don't have the heart. You know, you can't, you can't handle the swings, so you play with Eldrazi Temple instead. Playing scared, yeah. And and again, Chalice of the Void, a card I just don't think is great right now. So that's that's a huge part of the draw to this deck. I never like Chalice in this deck anyway, unless you're playing Spirit Guide. Like, Chalice for one on the draw is so awful. Uh, it doesn't do much, that's for sure. Speaking of doesn't do much, this next deck. <laughs> yeah. Merful Trickster is now a, a modern card, I guess. I didn't see that, that, that card. That card is good. That card is good in Merfolk. Okay. How about in Wizards? In Wizards, no. Also, Wizards is not a thing. Yeah, I, I learned that the hard way. I played some Wizards recently. They don't do a lot. Delver of Secrets is not a good modern card. As much as I may want it to be, every time I try it, I'm very harshly reminded of the fact that it just is not a good modern card. It doesn't line up with the format whatsoever. And I don't think anything has really changed here. And it's it's funny that when it flips, it makes your Wizards Lightning more expensive. Uh, something that came up for me quite a few times when I was playing. I mean, that just means you got to flip your Delver. Like this deck has 21 cards that transform Delver. So yeah, yeah you should you should count it above lucky. average. Yeah, that's true too. Uh, next deck is straight Esper medium stuff. I, I will commend Blastoids. Blastoids, the person who played this deck, also 5-0'd recently with Fairies Splashing Spell Queller. They also just like play a lot of sweet decks. I don't think that they're particularly good, but Blastoids themselves has to be pretty good. Okay, out there trying stuff, seeing what works. Respect. This is this is probably the first appearance of Dragon Lord Slumgar in Modern. I was excited to see that card again. I really enjoyed casting this card back when it was in Standard. I don't have any real desire to do so in modern but note the white sideboard cards here uh, a little awkward that we're playing snapcaster mage and lingering souls along with our rest in peace but i'm sure we're fixing that post board and boarding everything out so don't worry about it it'll it'll sort itself out yeah it's all good and think twice think about all the lost value hmm. next deck we have bogles four ley lines main deck is still the norm i guess and damping sphere in the sideboard could actually be reasonable i guess like tron is such a bad matchup and Testing for PT Rivals, I jumped through so many hoops trying to fix it, like main deck stubborn denials and all sorts of nonsense. And it was just like, all right, you're going to lose. Do you know what's interesting is on this this mythical matchup sheet that I keep talking about, the the Boggles versus Tron matchup was 50-50, which I was so surprised to see because it's a, in, in my experience, you're incredibly favored on the Tron side. Uh, so I wonder if maybe this was just a case of the sample size not being large enough or, or, or I don't know exactly what was going on. Very surprising That's- data. That's why I don't test numbers to be the like always be the truth. It's like, okay, I look at numbers like that and I'm like, this could be the truth, right? Until I, I know otherwise, this could be the truth. I think that's a good way to approach it. And if you've reached conclusions and it confirms your conclusions, then okay, that feels a little bit better. 
but it's hard. It's hard to really use data efficiently in Magic because it is a very soft science, and there's so many variables at play. There's player skill. There's obviously just the inherent variance of the game. So very difficult there's, to get a, a good read on everything. There's card choices, mulligan decisions, sideboard decisions. Like right. who's played the matchup more? Who knows what actually matters? Play draw. Like you know, there's there's way too much. Right, and it's not like we're getting the vicious syndicate sample size of you know sixty thousand matchups. It's it's a much smaller sample size we're dealing with. Dude, maybe we should just round everyone up, every single person who plays Moto. Is that the next evolution of the game podcast? We're the new vicious syndicate of Magic. I mean, people would pay for that. They would. We'd also we'd also be ruining Magic. Yeah, I think I think we'd be stopped actually because I I vaguely remember something like this starting to gestate, maybe even putting out its first few results. And I, I think it may have been, I think the kibosh may have been put on that pretty quickly by some folks over at Wizards. I will say that I used to do some of the stuff, like Star City had the too much information articles. Yep. Where they they had all the deck lists and they knew what everyone's record was and who played who, right? Right. And they, they yeah. Wizards asked to stop that, right? Uh, I will just say that Star City no longer does it. Okay. <laughs> so this is my secondhand knowledge. I was not told anything, but I heard a rumor that uh, Wizards did not like that very much. Well, next deck, I think Wizards probably does like. Uh, this is <laughs> an Arayo Jury End. Did I tell you about this, by the way, when I was telling you about like what decks I was building for spell slinging? Yes, you did. You did mention this. Right? You definitely mentioned Arayo. I don't know if you went as far as Jorian. Oh, I had I had Jorian. Okay. My, my my deck was Arayo, Jorian, uh, and then I was like, you know, where do you go from here? Like Baral, and then maybe like Chartercourse, Thirst for Knowledge, uh, Remand, Repeal. Like this is just a Jeskai version with like Geist and Jace Fern's Prodigy and stuff, but they have Mox Amber, Mishra's Bobble. And so it's cool to see this because I never actually ended up building that deck. I still, I still have the pile of cards like in a pile. I just never actually fully fleshed out a 60. So this person did the work for you, which is very nice of them. On the whole, some of these numbers look really weird to me. I'm not sure we actually have enough support for our Mox Ambers, how well things are going there. There, there could be potential here. Every now and then an Arayo deck pops up and I'm like, ooh, ooh, that's interesting. Um, it never quite finds a foothold in the format, never you know, reaches tier one, even tier two status. I don't think in this current form, this deck is going to either, but the combination of Mox Amber and Arayo worth looking into. Hell yeah. So uh, now I, I'm not necessarily going to copy this list or anything because I don't really like path. I'd much rather have like repeal remand and just have like more tempo-y tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, but seeing that this sort of deck can succeed certainly does give me like a, a new interest in this sort of deck. Cool. I look forward to seeing what you come up with. Next up, we have the best deck in the universe, best deck of all time, Mardu Pyromancer. I don't think you even believe that. Do you really believe that? Do you think it's the best deck right now? Ah, uh, no. But. Yeah, yeah. I, I think especially given the rise of the Bugler. Yeah, I, I, I have no idea how to beat the Bugler. Yeah, it's a, it's a problematic card for this deck for sure. So I think that's where a lot of your, your points lie. I, I do still think this is the best quote unquote Jun deck. I will say that. Yeah. But I am concerned about where the humans matchup lies right now. Um, and I think that's where you were getting a lot of points before is you were beating up on the humans players round after round. And I don't think you can do so anymore. Remember what did, were you there when we went to Mox Boarding House with Cedric and I was like, yo, are you playing the Bugler? And this was like two days before the set actually was released or whatever. So obviously the answer was no, but he was just like, nope, cards garbage. I, I was there for that. 
Um, so he may be eating his words as time goes on. Yeah. Next deck, uh, more Vengevines. Now with more Life from the Loam, Flame Jab, and Molten Vortex. Oh, you, you skipped a deck, but oh, I did. It, you did. We'll I, go back. I, we'll I go was back. very, I was very confused for a second. But you just skipped Vizier of Remedies combo, uh, not the ultra fast postmortem lunge version. Just a value ish type build with Viscerasir and Court of Calling. You know, multiple combos here. I think this deck is okay. I'd rather see this than any of the other versions of Green White. If creature removal starts to peter off, you could make a case for this being uh, a good approach. You know, if it turns out you can't just one for one humans anymore and decks start moving away from spot removal, there's a lot of appeal to going with this type of strategy. Why the hell does this deck have a Brimaz in it? That's a weird card for sure. I, is, I guess that, it's is like, that like your beat down cord card? Like, I guess so. Yeah. I, can you do better than that? There's probably, there's gotta be a better beat down card than that. Right. I don't know. Night of the Reliquary is probably more damage. Brimaz is a little bit better with the townships, but whatever. Yeah, there's a certain there's a certain board that Brimaz absolutely dominates, but I don't know how often that board comes up, especially in modern, where it doesn't really seem to be the type of thing that gets assembled all that often. All right, let's talk about Molten Vortex. Yeah, what do you have to hear? What do you have to say about Molten Vortex? I think it's awful. I think that if you're playing a Citrus Supplier Vengevine deck, your backup plan should not be based on the graveyard. Uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. It seems like if you're able to have access to your graveyard and are putting things in it at will, you're probably doing okay in the game. And there's not a lot of times that Molten Vortex is going to change the math or or alter the way things are playing out. I mean, even like something like the mirror, it could possibly make a difference. But I'm not even sure on that, to be honest with you. Don't they just bridge bushwhack you? Like this, this deck gives up Bushwhacker for all of this nonsense, and I hate it. Yeah, you could like target your own stuff with the Vortex to get rid of their bridges, but you already have Walking Ballista, so you shouldn't have to do. I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to find a reason for it here. Yeah. No, I, I know. I think on the whole, you're you're spot on that you just if you have access to your graveyard, you don't need to be doing this other stuff on top of it. Yep. Next deck is Lidar. Uh, this is Japanese player, Magic Online Championship, top four competitor, playing the Devoted Druid Vizier of Remedies combo as he normally does. And this one has the Bugler in it. Yep, Bugler finds a lot of the key pieces here, uh, adds a lot of redundancy, and yeah, Bugler's a real card, man. This yeah. uh, this has applications across multiple formats. We're still waiting for like the standard breakout Bugler deck, but there's something there. This is going to enable something. A powerful effect, to be sure. Yeah, I will note that this is like the Japanese green-white version that also has kind of like the Value Town-esque stuff. Like they have four Night of the Reliquaries and a bunch of Ghost Quarters as their backup plan, which I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure that that is better than playing the post-mortem lunge stuff like you were talking about, but, you know, it's an option. Certainly a little bit more tempered, uh, presenting multiple angles of attack, which in a wide-open metagame, you could see the the virtue of for sure. Absolutely. Next deck is Ponza. I thought this deck would do more when Bloodbraid Elf showed up. Um, I guess it did for a second. It like won an open, but I, maybe things are too fast for Ponza right now. You don't really do anything early enough in the game for all this land destruction to matter. Talked about Blood Moon maybe not being at such a high point. I'm not going to play Ponza anytime soon. 
I, th- I think there's at least some merit and there are some decks that you're picking on. Um, so if you were to get the right matchups, you could certainly have a good day with Ponza. It's, you know, not just a strict mistake, but there's better options out there for sure. Arbor Elf Utopia Sprawl is broken and Tireless Tracker is excellent and highly underplayed. Like these decks that play Knight of the Reliquary, like LiDAR's deck above, I think should probably just have Tracker. Just be playing Tracker. Mm, I could see the merit in that. It's hard where Tron remains like omnipresent in the format and indeed is like the largest played individual deck. Tracker's good against Tron. It's not as good as Knight is, but like it's still good. I I don't know, man. It's fine. It's ultimately if they're assembling Tron into your tracker, you're probably going to lose the game. Here, I, I mean, it doesn't matter, obviously, because you're already destroying Tron repeatedly anyway. Um, they have no real chance against you whatsoever. So absolutely fire tracker here 100%. In the other decks, though, where you're doing nothing disruptive, and that's literally your only chance short of just comboing off on turn three, I, I get why people are hesitant to abandon the knight in that spot. Tracker's good, man. No dispute. It's a very powerful magic card. Um, right. Just may not be at its best in that in that show. All right, fine. Disagree. Uh, next deck, blue-red, couple blood moons, Thing in the Ice, Torrential Gear Hulk, nonsense. I think this deck is completely fine. I like Thing in the Ice right now. I um, do too. Where there's a lot of board presence, bridge from below tokens, that kind of stuff. You could, you could sell me on Thing in the Ice being a good inclusion for... Control decks. I wish Blood Moon was a little bit better for this deck, but uh, I don't hate this deck. I, I think it's a fine choice. It, it may be, it's probably higher on my list than something like Jeskai Control right now. At least it's yeah. doing something like fairly proactive and fairly quickly doing that thing. Yep. I definitely agree with that. Blue and Red definitely has a lot of good cards. You can play just a bunch of Field of Ruins if you want, which I think I like that angle more than just trying to play blood moon although in theory these blue decks can also protect their blood moons against tron which actually matters so right very true uh next up we have living end which is a deck that i'm kind of surprised doesn't see more play this one's kind of weird though has some lurching rot beasts just to have more cyclers for b has main deck fairy macabre only two beasts withins to kill thalia and then the sideboard has three gemstone caverns. Yeah, really, really want to take back the play uh, with gemstone caverns. I think there was a time to play Living End. I don't think it's when Vengevine decks are starting to pop up all over the place. Like the splash hate you're going to catch is it's just not worth it. And you're really not equipped to play where we talked about like having decent beatdown plans with the Hollow One decks and the Vengevine decks. You really don't have a decent beatdown plan when you go to uh, post-board games against Rest in Peace, and your deck looks very, very anemic. So again, Living End is a fine deck. Right now, I'm hesitant to pick it up. Man, this deck doesn't even have like the land destruction stuff main deck. Just the two Beast Withins and two Fulminators in the board. That's that's kind of one of the things I actually liked about Living End. You like the land destruction package. Yeah. You have to have some other angle. We keep, talk- we keep going back to that. There yes. has to be something else you present, and... I don't think this deck has it right now, especially in this configuration. Yep. Uh, next deck is Grixis Through the Breach Goryeo's Vengeance. Uh, I, I kind of like the red-black ones. This one is like, you're taking a bunch of damage, you're behind, you maybe eventually assemble your combo, and then you probably still lose because you're too low for Gristlebrand to actually do anything. Your Emrakul doesn't kill all their permanents. Like, this one has Fury of the Horde, which I think is 
fine, but not great. Like I would rather just be red, black, nourishing shoal, I think. Yeah, I think a lot of what I said about the last deck applies to this deck as well. That as the graveyard gets to be a point of contention, I'm hesitant to go this route. Obviously, you have the through the breach options, but like you said, it does so fairly slowly. It just feels like there's better stuff to be doing. And, and this deck has existed in some form for such a long time now that I think if it were the best thing to be doing, it would have just filtered to the top by now. Like there's enough evidence to suggest there is either too high of a fail rate or decks are too prepared and... Gristle Brand has not become a scourge of the modern format to date. I don't think it's going to right now. Correct. Next deck is Humans. Four Bugler. Three Image, three Reflector Mage, three Thalia. No more nonsense, which is great. Casting Malcontents, Dark Confound, Restoration Angel. Get out of here. Yeah, the deck looks super clean at this point. I am a buyer in the Bugler. I think that shoring up some of your worst matchups is huge beyond that just getting more access to your most powerful cards in certain matchups when you're playing against Grixis Death Shadow and now you have so many more virtual copies of Reflector Mage and when you're playing against Storm and you have so many more virtual copies of Thalia and your Thalia's Lieutenant are much easier to access so you're able to generate board presence much faster all of this stuff matters in every single matchup I've heard people say they felt like four is a bit much main deck so you could probably sell me on 3-1 being correct. You know, three Bugler's main, one for the very removal-heavy matchups such as Mardu Pyromancer. I can buy that. But on the whole, I think my humans list going forward will always have access to four Buglers. Yeah, I think the only thing I would change from this main deck is maybe cut the fourth Bugler for a 20th land. Like, now that you have Bugler, you can afford to play the extra land. And then you don't have to worry about, like, keeping these one-landers, especially with your curve being higher. And you can keep hands that are a little bit mana heavy because of bugler. And the, the best thing that it does is make it so like, sometimes you, you work up your vial to like three and then you play your three drop off it. And then it just doesn't do anything for the rest of the game. Now, mm. like your vial on three is just insane. Yeah. Incredibly good. So uh, I think you can afford to play a 20th land move the fourth bugler to the board. Uh, obviously if like, there's a bunch of Jeskai and Marty in the format, then you should probably, you know, figure out a way to get the fourth copy in the main deck. But uh, this deck looks really nice. I'm with you. This this feels like one of the better decks in the format at this point. Maybe the best. We'll have to see. We'll have to see what the next few weeks of events brings. Next deck is Green Red Devotion. Uh, this one started showing up uh, about a month ago, maybe. The same pilot, Fulgence. This is uh, Arbor Elf, Utopia Sprawl, Collected Company, Primal Command with a Crater Hoof Behemoth at the top end. But otherwise, you're accompanying into Knight of the Reliquary, which can find Nykthos or Casting Wolf Run, which is pretty nice because those two work quite well together. Uh, you also have Eternal Witnesses to get back your companies. And the deck used to play Wistful Selkie, which I was looking for, but don't see anymore. No, it's, it seems like Knight of the Reliquary is slotting into that spot, basically. I'm in. Yeah. I don't know. I, I came very close to playing something similar to this a long time ago at Pro Tour Valencia. I, I'm a buyer of Nykthos power level wise in modern. I think it absolutely is on par with other things in the format. I guess this deck feels like it's lacking identity a little bit to me. Like Corsair of Crufix is a little weird. Like, is it trying to combo as quickly as possible is it value-based it, it, it's really hard for me to spot exactly what we're doing here the whole fauna I mean, shaman engine like i don't know if i i don't know if i buy fauna shaman as a modern card right now you're you're beat down with value 
and you just have a combo finish at some point. That's all. Yeah. Jack of all trades, master of none is my concern. You basically just do your thing and you say, is my thing good enough? You have almost no disruption for your opponent, short yeah. of primal command. But when your primal command loops with eternal witness and like woodland bellower shenanigans, you can you can get some more value out of it. I, I guess I believe this deck can compete in a lot of spots. It certainly has the tools to do so. I just... It feels like you're probably playing a lot of like 47% matchups, like a lot of 47-53s over and over sure. throughout the day. And I think you can do better right now. Yeah, I'm less concerned with uh, this deck's game plan or lack thereof, and more concerned with just overall lack of power level in general. Mm, yeah. Uh, but just all of these cards are enablers. And that's, that's, I think, how you have to look at them. Like, it's it's the same thing with Sahili and, like, just playing, like, Rogue Refiner, right? It's like, this is not, like, an insano card, but right. it does it does beat down people sometimes. It's not insane on Raid or anything, but it facilitates something greater. And that, that greater thing is eventually Nyctos. Okay. And then just doing nut stuff with that. Uh, next deck is the blue-white uh, Spirits deck that we talked about earlier. Yeah, I, I like this list way better than the other list. Looking at it right now, for for sure, this seems like a more powerful version of the this the spirits game plan. Again, rather humans, but I I do like this list better. Yeah, this this deck actually gets access to Ghost Quarter too, which is pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Next deck is four Terminus Blue White, played in the hands of Pro Tour champion Luis Salvato. Man, it looks like this is just how you build this deck now. And you and I laughed at Terminus when it showed up for the first time, but it does seem like this is the default build of blue white. People are convinced that this is a four Terminus deck. All right. I've I've said my piece. Uh I still haven't picked this deck up. If I'm playing blue white, I think it's because I really want access to spreading seas. These decks don't play spreading seas anymore. You do get your four field of ruin and the ghost quarter, which is a lot of disruption for the Tron matchup, but Tron is still a huge favorite here and you cannot convince me otherwise. And that's problematic for me. You will run into it at some point and I, I just wish there were better options. Spreading seas and wall of omens play very poorly with miracles. So I understand why, if you decide that you need to play four Terminus, that you would issue those cards. But this is similar to like the Shard Volley argument earlier, where it's just like, well, if you decide that the format's so fast that you need to play Terminus, maybe you shouldn't be jumping through those hoops and you should be something else. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I, I will mention, though, as we talk about the rise of graveyard-based decks and Bridge from Below shenanigans, Terminus dodges a lot of that stuff. So worth worth keeping note of. So does Anger of the Gods. That's true. Next deck is Lantern with a Mastermind's Acquisition, which sounds like nonsense. I'm just thinking about like what you're really getting from your sideboard, how you're getting bailed out. It doesn't, you're seem, not. It doesn't seem to me to be a fundamental change. It's really just like, I don't think you need that in game one. Either like a deck is equipped to deal with you and are interacting on a different axis than you're prepared to deal with, or you're going to crush them and they have no chance whatsoever. Right. So the inclusion of Mastermind's acquisition, I, I don't think it's actually getting you any points. Yeah, I agree. Next deck is Ad Nauseum. Uh, this deck basically has gone unchanged. I still hate Spoils of the Vault. I, I really don't understand the inclusion of Spoils of the Vault in this deck. What was the math? You lose like 7 or 12% of the time somewhere in there? Some number that's way too high for me to be comfortable with when Peer Through Depths is like a reasonable replacement. Spoils is not for me. I, I know people have pretty much wholesale adopted Spoils at this point. If I were to play Ad Nauseam tomorrow, it would not have Spoils of the Vault. 
oh man, I need to assemble my two-card combo and I need to do it quickly because the format's so fast. I guess I'll play this card that kills me 10% of the time in order to do so. Wrong well, deck. Wrong deck. well, did you gain points or lose percentage points on that? And also, yeah, same thing with Terminus, same thing with all the Shard Volleys. That is an indicator that this deck is not where you want to be. Agreed. Next deck is Straight Dredge, Shriekhorn. Uh, I'm I'm fine with this deck. I don't know. It, it doesn't seem great. It doesn't have a backup plan. There are some decks where Dredge is like your their little nightmare matchup, you know, but not about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a meta call and one that I'm not prepared to make right now. Again, same kind of thing as Living End 2, where your your B plan looks really bad and you're going to get some splash eight right now. Yep. Next deck is Tron. With a tireless tracker. Are you a Tron player now? If we can put a, a tireless tracker in Tron? No, because that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I had to try and sell you on it. I, I thought this was my chance. but uh, Also, a Seagate Wreckage, a Gemstone Caverns, and a Field of Ruin. I hate them all. I, I hate tireless tracker more than i hate those lands because you do have some flexibility in the lands but yeah this seems like a a little bit of flash a little bit of sizzle for no real reason um i don't think you're really adding much to the deck by doing all this stuff you saying this deck doesn't need the one miscutter hydra in the sideboard uh probably not no i'm (laughs) willing to pass on the miscutter hydra well i'll be damned uh next deck is green red valakut which i think is quite good actually huh this deck, this one specifically with the Acid Mosses, I'm not super sold on. Okay, well, that, that's where I was going first. I was going to ask about Acid Moss. Oracle of Moldiah, an interesting card we don't see very often in these decks, I don't think. Uh, I like seeing that card just because it's a card I enjoy. I don't know if it's actually any good right now. I'd rather um, have Tireless Tracker. Okay. A deck that has access to Anger of the Gods is something I'm interested in right now. This is one of the few in the format. So you kind of got me there. You, you've piqued my interest a little bit. Uh, I don't think we can mess with Sweltering Suns anymore. I am a believer that we want Anger of the Gods. So let's get rid of the Sweltering Suns nonsense and just have two Angers main and you can have a third in the sideboard. And you might steal a tournament with this deck. I, I believe that this could be one of those decks that's sneakily well positioned right now. I also think that you can get away with main deck relics. Okay. I could see that approach. There's there's a lot of graveyard stuff going on, and when there's not, it cycles. So, final deck, hyper, aka Kelvin Shu, uh, platinum pro player from Team MTG Mint card. Always play in Knight of the Reliquary and and collect a company in Modern. Just always loves the card. Um, this one this one isn't even uh, Coral Helm. Retreat to Coral Helm. No, just just some value knights. They're searching up Field of Ruins and Ghost Quarters, and we got Voice of Resurgence floating around and Spell Queller to interact. Where are the buglers at, man? Yeah, it seems like you could bugle in this deck pretty easily, huh? You have like three things that that miss. Yeah, maybe this is supposed to be a bugler deck going forward. I don't I don't know that I'm sold. I don't know that I necessarily want to pick this up just because it has bugler, but it's a little bit more appealing. I don't like the style of deck in modern. I like the style of deck in general. I just don't think it lines up well with the format. Your creatures need to be really impactful and the humans ones typically are, mm-hmm. you know, but these ones where it's like, Oh, I have meddling mage, but no real clock or like, Oh, I have a scavenging use, but no spare mana. You know, it's just like, what, what are you doing here? Yeah. I, for a long time, I tried to convince myself that you could go like noble hierarch into Vendillion click in modern. And it was reasonable to do. But it's just not. It's it's not good enough. Little sketchy. Also on on the topic of the bugler, 
I probably need to try some of those in the Sahili Rye deck and probably the Kiki Cord deck too. Hmm, that's interesting. Running through the list of creatures in my head right now, and it seems like a pretty clear ad. Uh, a lot of hits, a lot of consistency added to the deck. Copying that card looks pretty good. Interesting stuff for sure. Bugler's the card right now. It's it's well, no, hold on. It's a tie. It's a tie between Stitcher Supplier and the Bugler yeah. as far as modern goes. Agree completely. And what an impactful set for Modern that I don't know that a lot of people saw coming, uh, especially because the impact came from the common and uncommon slots, which is really nice to see. Yeah, so it's cool. Like People get these nice little boosts for uh, Modern decks specifically that needed some love, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we've reached the end of our deck dumps we stayed positive for a while i think we got a little bit more negative as time went on maybe our patience for uh you know voice of resurgence was waning as the day went on but a lot of interesting stuff going on with modern a lot of decks i'm looking forward to trying out and a lot of unexplored stuff too a lot of refining and and new strategies to really flesh out yeah i got this silly pro tour coming up i'm i'm gonna be at grand prix minneapolis this weekend i may or may not actually play in the tournament though we'll see Okay, just getting into town early and getting some testing done or the the flights are booked, man, and you know, I I I I have to be there now that the flights are booked, but right. I also need to play Magic Online to prepare because like 2 weeks ago it was kind of like a PT Ixalan deal where it was like, "Oh, I'll just play Team or Energy," like and I decided a month before the tournament or whatever and it's just it's never the right call to lock it in that early. So. Sure, sure. A lot of changes going on, and I think you'll only benefit from giving it another look now in the zero hour. Yeah, and there's just like a lot of things that I have to try. Cool. Well, I look forward to hearing how it goes. Hopefully, you'll be met with a lot of success, and you'll find a really cool deck for me to play in the future. Hell yeah. So no question this week. Uh, this is our normal episode for the week, and then uh, later on sometime between this week and next week, we will have our monthly bonus episode up thanks to the wonderful supporters of our Patreon. That episode will effectively be kind of like a mailbag sort of episode where every week we get asked questions to answer on the podcast from people in our Patreon discord. And there's just always so many good ones that we're, we're just going to do a full episode of them. Yeah. People have been clamoring for it uh, for a while now over in the discord and I'm happy we finally get to deliver it. And there are some spicy questions we have on deck. I, th- I think everyone's going to want to listen to this episode and hear what we have to say because we're, we're covering everything in this, in this mailbag app. We're going to talk about the ups and downs of magic, you know, personal stuff, uh, favorite sandwiches, everything possible is going to be covered in this bonus episode. So I hope people will check it out. I'm not sure if that's like a good endorsement or not. <laughs> you, you don't buy that sandwiches is really what people are here for. They want to know the hot sandwich tech, Jerry. They want to know mayo, mustard. What is it? Hate it. Hate it all. Me too. I also don't use mayo or mustard. There's a reason. Yeah. We came together for a reason. I don't know how we got to this point, but it was fate. I feel it. Yeah, man. Dude, I, I just, I, I picked the right person. That's, you did. That's all it is. Nailed it. That's game.
Good luck.